0: Greetings and welcome to the Games Rig, this is Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, a fan of pigskin fun and tight ends. Mm. well I'm getting ready to clunk and click and burn rubber, and I am Ash Versus. This episode aired on the 10th of December 1992, we've got a new film at the top of the chart, it's the directorial debut of Nora Ephron, This Is My Life.
2: What do men really want in a woman? The number one response? Yeah. Long eyelashes. Shallow dogs. All her life, Dottie Ingalls wanted to be on stage. Let us welcome her now, Dottie Ingalls! (laughs) Any stage. Joanne, are you married? Oh, dear, single but with married skin. We oh. all know married skin is the don't want
3: Thanks for coming in. Is he
2: going to be your agent? Someday he's going to bed to be my agent. Hello? Until the day she got the break. I have an agent. We're all very happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> that changed her life. Who's your agent? Arnold Moss.
1: Arnold Moss?
0: He eats paper. Please stop the go!
4: going
2: to be even better in LA. Model LA! Now, comics are cleaning her house. Hand over your purse. Stand ups are babysitting. <laughs> even babies are babysitting. When I just
5: read the synopsis before I watched the trailer, I was like, I might watch this because, you know, we've got quite a bit of time on our hands at the moment. <laughs> And I watched the trailer and I thought, well, I don't actually need to watch this because it is one of those trailers that spells out every single plot beat. Failed comedian, becomes successful, leaves family behind, family related hijinks, success equals isolation, resentful family, reunion, happy ending of some sort. Every single plot beat is spelled out in the
0: trailer. Yeah, yeah, it's a long old trailer as well.
5: The movie itself is about 105 minutes. So if you take out the front and the end titles and everything, you're probably talking about a 90-minute actual movie. Yeah, this is about a two-three-minute trailer, which spells out the entire plot in one thirtieth of the time
0: <laughs> of the actual movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Really interesting cast, though. Julie Kavner uh, in the lead role, who at this point was, you know, famous for voicing Marge Simpson and is still the voice of Marge Simpson. A voice that if you'd have told Julie Kavner in 1989 or 1988, whenever they start doing the shorts, this series is going to run for 30 plus years. She would not have picked that voice to do. No, that's got to be taking its
5: toll I bet you every single year she goes to the sound production guys have you worked out a way to do this artificially yet (laughs) kind of like they do to Daleks or Cybermen just I speak in my normal voice and you pitch shift it or have I said enough words in the English language that you can just you know hello Smithers you are good (laughs) at turning me on
0: Uh, But it also features Carrie Fisher, my boy Danny Aykroyd, and very interestingly, uh, particularly when I was watching the trailer, because I was looking at the eldest daughter in the movie and I was like, God, she looks really familiar. And then at the end of it, it came up saying it was Samantha Mathis. And I was like, wow, Samantha Mathis playing this sort of like teenage girl here, because the following year, she's going to be Princess Daisy in the Super Mario Brothers movie. And if you want to talk about better films
5: she was in, two years earlier she was in Pump Up the Volume.
0: I, I, that suggests to me that you do not think The Super Mario Brothers is a good movie.
5: Okay, I won't suggest it. <laughs> I will say it. I do not think it's a good movie, but that doesn't mean I won't watch it because, as we have established previously, Cinematic Trash Panda. <laughs> There isn't much to say about this movie trivia-wise, but the one bit that does um, float to the top is that Dan Aykroyd's character, the uh, the agent Arnold Moss, is based on the real talent agent, Sam Cohen, who was based in New York. And they even copied some of the little ticks and eccentricities, including eating paper. Yeah. Which I can imagine Dan Aykroyd going into the casting for this and being told, okay, here's the script. By the way, we have some notes. <laughs> We need you to eat paper. And Dan Ancora's like, thank God for that. I thought you were going to ask me to do something weird. (laughs) Because when you look at where his film career has been, where it is, and where it will end up, he could eat paper or he could be in Blues Brothers 2000. I
0: would eat paper. Yeah, totally. And we've got a new song at the top of the chart. Get used to hearing this one, folks. It's Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, which will be our number one track until episode 21 of series two Uh, theme to the bodyguard makes you wish Kevin Costner hadn't been quite so good at his job (laughs) not to speak ill of Whitney Houston The (laughs) Departed it's a good track like but yeah We've got got 10 weeks of this.
5: But this was an old song. This was 1973, a Dolly Parton song. It was written when she was uh, breaking up a professional relationship. And it was kind of her apology slash dear John note kind of thing. I don't think I ever knew that. It wasn't going to be the song from The Bodyguard, though. Hmm. Originally, it was going to be What Becomes of the Brokenhearted. Oh, really? Yeah, which is a song that I like. It's by Jimmy Ruffin. And I always associate it with the last episode of Drop the Dead Donkey. Yeah. When Globelink closes down and it's the song that um, Dave and Henry play on their radio show and they show where everyone is and where everyone's going and what's happening. I'm so glad they didn't use it for the bodyguard because otherwise I'd have probably switched off before we even got to the end of that sequence in Drop the Dead Donkey. Because this song was everywhere. It became... Whitney's signature
0: song. It was a song that she never escaped the shadow of for the rest of her career. Well, new releases this week uh, in the lead up to Christmas. It's Mario Paint uh, on the Super Nintendo. Fatal Fury Two gets released in the arcade, and Mega Man Five is released. I actually forgot to mention at the top of this episode, but 10th of December 1992. It's four days away from my seventh birthday. Ah, what were you hoping for? i was talking about this on twitter the other day because we, i posted up that feature video that games master had a couple of episodes back with the sega versus nintendo war that feature bunny ears <laughs> yeah bunny ears bucky o'hare is uh and i thought i was thinking to myself well i got my Mega Drive for christmas 91 cannot remember what i got for christmas 92 but i know it wasn't sonic 2 so i have no, I have no idea what i got it wasn't Streets of Rage 2 either. Did, did you get an also rant? Did you just like end up, instead of Sonic the Hedgehog, you got, I don't know... Oh, did you get Fire and Ice? <laughs> no, thankfully I did not get Fire and Ice. I know the following year I got Sonic Spinball, but uh, yeah, 92 is a bit of a blip for me. I'm not sure what I got. You didn't get a Game Boy. Maybe I got my Game Boy... Now I think that fits that. in with
5: the timeline that we established earlier, that, that you would have got your Game Boy
0: around this time. That must be what it is. Me and my brother got our Game Boys. Huh. There we are. Yeah, my cousin Danny got his snares. I know that much. So yeah, I must have got a Game Boy. Thanks for remembering for me. That's okay. And stop being ungrateful about not getting Sonic 2. You've got a Game Boy. <laughs> so what's happening up in the magazines? Well,
5: new month, new issue of CVG, and new news on Street Fighter 2, for the mega drive yes we've got some more concrete facts i think we'd mentioned previously that it was on the way but a game that had been exclusive on home consoles to the super nintendo up until this point is making its way to the mega drive and boy howdy it's gonna be a doozy because mega drive isn't just getting street fighter 2 it's getting street fighter 2 championship edition they are squeezing 12 world warriors into that little black box of joy now, in this article, they say that this is penned for official release in February. That's mm, that—that's very, very soon. That's a little bit too soon because here in the real world, it doesn't get a Japanese release until end of September 1993. And in fact, many people will be looking for it under their Christmas trees next year because we get it here in Europe October 29th, 1993. I actually feel bad for Mega Drive owners at this point, particularly the kids, because they'll be going to the playground with their copy of CVG going, look, look, we're getting it in a few months. I've asked my parents to not get me something for Christmas and save the money so I can get this in February. And then February rolls around. Nothing. March rolls around. Nothing. It becomes like the Chinese democracy (laughs) of video games. But it's actually good. But it's actually Mm -hmm. good, and they haven't replaced all the fighters with third-rate knockoffs and just left Ryu. (laughs) They do also make mention in here of the special joy pad, because this is the first time I think we've seen a video game console manufacturer hold up their hands and go, we kind of f***ed it, Mm -hmm. we designed a controller that cannot meet the demands of the games. But that six-button pad will not be something that only Street Fighter takes advantage of, because once the floodgates have opened other games step in and take up that challenge but also have to make sure that they still support the three button brethren now you had street fighter 2 for the mega
0: drive i did did you have it with the six button pad or did you have it with the three button no no so my brother uh saved up all of his money to buy street fighter 2 and two six button pads one of which was official, another one was a knockoff. I'm pretty sure it was from BT's because I think they did it as like a bundle deal. And I remember getting the bus into town, the 16 bus into town in Reading, to go and buy that game, and they didn't have any stock. And so I had to wait another week. And when you are seven years old, a week feels like a year. And that was a really, really long week for me and my brother to wait to go back into town the following saturday to see if we could get it then and we did i'm pretty sure we got it the second or third week of trying um but yeah we did get it and we had two six button pads with it so we could play proper two player on it i've tried to play street fighter on a three button pad
5: it's doable but it's not great no but apparently cvg cannot wait except guess what they're gonna have to they're gonna have to and it's gonna be a lot longer than two or three weeks
3: thank you very much All right, yes, welcome to the world's only offshore video game resort. I've just been up to the helipad to coax the latest load of campers from my chopper. They're trickling down the gantry as I speak. So far be it for me to keep them waiting, I'll hand you over to the capable loins of the games master
0: right well let's get into this week's show and we get a bit of a repeat of the start we had to episode nine with dominic diamond coming out dressed as a member of slipknot and making borderline the same chopper joke he did from that from that episode i actually assumed he'd
5: also just come back from the nec because at the end of last episode we saw him flying off that's right continuity. They're, they're, they're keeping it real-ish. <laughs> yeah. As real as the concept of an oil rig being used as a holiday resort for kids while being overseen by a giant pixelated astronomer
0: is keeping it real. It's not very real. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, let's get into our first challenge.
2: What are we playing, Games Master? Greetings and welcome to the Games Rig. How splendid of you to have braved the rough seas to join me out here on the rig. I do so appreciate your company on these long winter nights. To tee us off and remind us of sunnier times, I thought we might take to the fairways and putting greens of that most realistic of golf simulations, palm springs open. I'd like you to complete the first three holes of the back nine in level par. Best of luck, and remember, never up.
0: We're playing Palm Springs Open. Gamesmaster welcomes us to for braving the rough seas and hopes that this will remind us of sunnier times. And this is a super realistic golf sim that is our first CDi game on Gamesmaster.
5: Yes, the CDi which I'd like to say I'd forgotten about, but it'd be more accurate to say I tried to forget about it because I'm fairly certain there was a time in my life When I was trying to persuade my parents that the CDI was the way of the future. Wow. There aren't many times I'm glad my parents didn't listen to me. This is one of them.
0: I would have put, like, uh, clearly my memory of this is very shonky, but I thought the CDI came later than this in the timeline. I thought it was, you know, more around the Jaguar era. Sort of thing, but no, it came out. It hit UK stores in July '92, and it was already struggling at this point because not a lot of the games were
5: delivering, and the films weren't delivering. Video CD was not taking off in the way they hoped it would. In fact, it wouldn't be until piracy and China got hold
0: of video CDs <laughs> that they really became popular because they were overpriced, and discs still looked better. I've got to say though, like you know, we'll get into the challenge in a minute, but i think that this looks really impressive for a 1992 game because this is like it's digital it's digitized actors in sort of a digitized setting and your inputs determine what video gets played next and then your character is played within that video it's like your sprites are then inserted into that video clip but i think this is way more impressive than any of the american laser games we've had on this show up until this point this is an actual game yeah
5: This is closer to Mortal Kombat than it is Mad Dog McCree. Totally. Because they have digitized the footage, they've um, assigned commands to it, they've used keyframing, yada, 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 and you actually have control over the direction, you have control over the strength, the animation will vary depending on what you do. If you change the trajectory of the ball, you actually see your player shuffle around do that little foot shuffle yeah. that only golf players ever do so yeah while I will dunk on this game because it's on the CDI I won't dunk on this game for existing because it does look pretty good yeah in fact I think it looks better than the last golf game we saw which was the Neo Geo one top players
0: golf yeah played by that person <laughs> <laughs> Tim nice but dim yeah yeah yeah
3: and hoping for a bunker free experience on this challenge is Aidan Smith from Leidenstow yeah! Right, amazing. Now, Aiden, this may look like a very pretty golf game, but it's fiendishly tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, very difficult, but I'm hoping for a fine day and some good weather, and I think, you know, we've got a chance. Any particular holes that are tougher than the others? The second hole's got a lot of water in it, and I don't really want to be...
2: Being
0: there. Okay, well, let's hope you avoid it tonight. Well, uh, our contestant this week is far from Tim Nice for Dim. He's actually just a very nice chap. This is Aidan Smith from Leighton Stowe and says that the game is quite difficult, but he's hoping for good weather, which I thought was a, a nice little bit of sort of playing around the atmosphere of the game. And says that the second hole is going to be very tricky because that's got a lot of water and he hopes to avoid that. Uh, so his task here is he's got to complete the first three holes of the back nine in under par. I feel Dominic Diamond was a little disappointed at this
5: gesture because he lobbed a soft joke to Aiden, and I don't think quite got as filthy a response as he was hoping for mm. by just saying, you know, asking if he was nervous about any of the holes. Ah, I see. And Aiden just played it straight, but by mentioning water, still added a veneer of filth, <laughs> but not actually a full dunking. No.
3: And joining me in the bunker tonight is Games Master's very own Stephen Carsey. Now, Stephen, you're a bit of a whiz games player yourself. Have you got any tips for Aiden? Well, Dominic, having watched the course earlier, I would say certainly the first hole is probably the easiest. So he really needs to par it or
0: perhaps even birdie it if he's going to be uh, successful tonight. Uh, Stephen Casey is in the booth for this game and says that Aiden is going to need to par or birdie the first hole if he's going to be successful. And spoilers, he does not uh, because on this first hole he gets a slight hook but managed to land on the fairway uh, but then lands into the bunker gets on the green for some polite applause doesn't put it on the fourth stroke and gets a bogey so he's already one over par i'm gonna make a bold statement at this point I think there was some dubbing done here because this crowd sounds way too into this game. Oh, right. You mean the audience in the or like the building, not the audience on the game?
5: No, I think the audience in the building, they looped in footage and audio from when Jet and Shadow were on the other week <laughs> because he does one shot and it cuts to the audience in the games rig. And they're going eight and one kid is jumping up and down righteously and... We all have to do cutaways if you're doing video and you need to cover an edit or cover a splice. And if you're ever doing a uh, multi-camera shoot of an interview, quite often you will film the interview and then you'll do over-the-shoulder reaction shots, so on and so forth. But for God's sake, guys, make it match. No one is jumping up and down losing their shit over...
0: A mediocre challenge of golf. So onto the second hole. This is the tricky one. He does get over the water, but lands in another bunker. He's on for the green for two, but does not have the power to putt. Another bogey. He's two over par. And what I will say is that Dominic Diamond in this segment is very good at reiterating the rules because they are using, you know, the technical terminology like over par bogeys. This that, and the other. Trying to get under par I think Dominic Diamond is very good at reiterating to those who may not know the rules of golf. This is what he needs to do in order to win. And he's currently not doing it. Dominic is actually great on any game that is a little bit slower and a
5: little bit more tactically based. He's good on this. He's good on the snooker games. He struggles on the faster games, but he's not alone because even the play-by-plays, the gaming journalists... Sometimes the action on screen is moving so fast that they can't make a point before that point is now null and void. So it's actually nice that while this challenge isn't great, they've got some room to breathe Mm -hmm. and got some room to actually provide proper commentary and also build the tension because... As was pointed out, he ideally wanted to be a stroke under par at the end of the first hole. And the chances of him being able to complete this challenge are diminishing with every goddamn stroke. And by the time we get to the third hole, he literally has two strokes or the challenge is over. And they say on commentary, this is almost impossible. But the fact that they say the word almost does in your mind mean you think at some level
0: maybe he'll do it even after he completely bollocks up the shot and slices it into the trees he has got to put this ball now from this shot in the rough in the trees in order to win this challenge i still thought he might do it i'll be honest that's where we differ because as soon as he sliced it into the trees i'm like nah, f- now it mate <laughs> <laughs> and he does he just completely twats it against the trees uses all of his strokes and the challenge is over real shame for him
3: Bad luck, Aidan. Um, really, from the first hole, you needed to part it. You were one over and you were carrying that really for the rest of the game, weren't you? Yeah, I think I was a bit unlucky with the first one. And then after that, I got a bit of wind and uh, the direction didn't go right. So uh... That's right. The, the, the greens didn't run for you on this yeah, game, Yeah, it, did wasn't, they? it wasn't too good. Oh, well, you had to get a good round anyway, OK? Unfortunately, no prize to offer you, but we hope you've enjoyed your time on Games Master. I have, I have indeed.
5: It was a entertaining challenge, but quite a sedate challenge. This was not a cup of espresso. This was Ovaltine. This was mellow and calming. Also, why the the footage of the crowd didn't really fit, because it is a polite applause game, not a losing your s*** sh- like you're seeing the Beatles at Shea Stadium game. I <laughs> mean, in the post-match, Dominic observes it was a struggle from the first hole and Aidan agrees, says he got some of the wins, don't we all? Yep. And Dominic comes back with that the Greens didn't run for him. Needs more fibre. <laughs>
0: I actually enjoyed the challenge to a certain extent and I think that's just because the game looks really cool I think in 1992 this yeah it kind of blows anything out of the water that's being done on the Mega Drive and the Super Nintendo for a home console even the Neo Geo but yeah it, it may it doesn't make for gripping television but it was a fun little game to watch and I was tempted to go and like boot up an emulated version of it In the year 2020,
5: someone decided they wanted to try and emulate the CDI. (laughs) One thing I did like about the game, and it's coming into how it looked, is not only did you obviously have the digitised player, but when you balls a shot up, it had a little picture-in-picture of your character rolling his eyes or shaking his head, just disapprovingly looking back at you as if to say, what did you do?
3: (laughs) This week is twanging jockstraps ahoy as we look at sports games. First up on the Mega Drive, pigskin fun with inside slots and tight ends in John Madden 93.
5: The teams have all been updated. All the stats are as new as they can be and they've also included a lot of old sides, which are classics.
3: Taken on its own, then it's certainly an exceptional game, yeah. But... As a sequel, there really isn't enough new to it. If you've got John Madden Football or John Madden 92, don't bother about this because it's just cosmetic changes. If you haven't got either of these, it's a great entry into the world of American football.
0: It's sports games in the review zone this week. We've got Chris Nyland, James Leach from Games Master Magazine and the return of Radian Automatic. Radian
5: has grown up a lot in the past year. Radian here just looks more comfortable, more confident, speaks more naturally. Hanging around with Jazz Rignall and that lot clearly has done
0: wonders for Radian's confidence. It was a real pleasure to see them back here absolutely and yeah james leach from games master magazine this show now has a magazine which we are going to do a bonus episode on uh, in a few weeks time i think we we'll are waiting until we tick over into 93 before we jump into that magazine though it was published in 92 but yeah interesting this is our first magazine writer in the review zone absolutely but also with uh, chris nyland who is from parts unknown yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's just one of them um up first we've got madden 93 on the mega drive um pigskin fun and tight ends james says the teams have been updated but they've also included classic teams but radian doesn't think it's good enough to be a sequel and chris says that it's just cosmetic changes if you've already got madden 91 or 92 don't bother and i've written here bloody hell ea has not changed their spots in 20 plus years 87 percent for madden 93 my note Amazing how little has changed in 28 years.
5: Yeah. Now, they say the teams have been updated, and they have, and they say there's legacy teams in there, and there were, but these are still not licensed teams. This was the last main Madden game without the license, so from next year, it will become Madden NFL 94. Okay. And at that point, the teams get licensed, the players get licensed. It picks the game up a bit, and while arguably it is a bit of a refresh and an update. The fact that it becomes licensed suddenly can increase the player investment because you're not just playing as a team that look like the team you're used to, you're playing as the team that you follow at home or as the team that you've been to the stadium to see. It helps you connect more with the game.
0: It's curious that the review that Madden 93 here gets, which is all about, you know, if you've got Madden 92 or Madden 91, you do not need to buy this game. Compare that with the third review that we get in this section. I think is it's, it's very, very interesting. Next up
3: on the Super NES, enjoy a firm backhand stroke with David Crane's amazing tennis. There's the huge sprites that are really well animated and it all moves very smoothly indeed. But it does take a while to get into. Very fast, very slick. Not that playable. If you're at the far end of the court, you've got no chance. Don't get
2: this if you've already got Super Tennis... If you haven't, It's a sound buy.
0: Before we get into that, we've got David Crane's amazing tennis for the Super Nintendo with its firm backhand stroke. Radian says the sprites are huge, and bloody hell they are. Uh, James says that it's basically not playable because of that, though, because if you're on the far end of it, you've got no chance of returning. And Chris said that it's not as good as Super Tennis, but it's a sound buy if you do need a tennis game. 80%. I think this game does look gorgeous. The animation, even as you see it in this review, is amazing.
5: The sprites are Neo Geo huge. They're really big and in your face but i entirely see the playability issue because that is a very low camera angle yeah and the depth perception will be an absolute bastard because there's a good chunk of the rear half of the court that you won't be able to see because of the net so if we assume that single player games automatically flip it so you're always at the front great you're probably okay but as we saw with super tennis These games are way more fun with two people.
3: Finally, on the Amiga, even Auntie Marisha gets the chance to score with Sensible Soccer version 1.1. Definitely one of the best. It's very fluid to control. It's easy to get the hang of. Sensible Soccer 1.1's a great improvement. It's better than kick-off. It's better than Sensible Soccer, of course. It's better than Striker. It's the best football game you can get. There are new teams, improved goalies, more cups to win, and the controversial back-pass rule. My verdict the best game on the Amiga. Owners of the original Sensible Soccer can upgrade to version 1.1 for the measly sum of £4.95. Send your disc one plus a checker post, Lauder 2, Sensible Soccer offer at this address.
0: And for our final review, it's the one that I'd referenced earlier. It's Sensible Soccer version 1.1 for the Amiga. Even Auntie Marisha can score. Bradian says it's one of the best. James says it's the best football game you can get. And Chris said it's got everything. It's the best game on the Amiga, 97%. But here is the key and why i sort of made the re- the comparison to madden 93 earlier is if you already own sensible soccer you can upgrade to sensible soccer 1.1 for just a fiver or if you don't own sensible soccer you can go out and just buy version 1.1 now i get that on the mega drive that's harder to do because you need to have a physical cartridge in there but in today's economy where everything is just all on your hard drive there is absolutely no excuse for EA to keep releasing brand new FIFA games at full price other than the fact that's what they've always done and other than the fact there's an easier way to make money. There is no excuse for this
5: I would argue that unless you're doing major feature updates not only should EA apply it to the FIFA games but WWE, yep, totally. I think once they've uh, once they've sorted out the mess they're in at the moment with their games, they could do it. It can work, but corporate greed and the need to have a physical product in the shops—I think that's it. Hmm. They still want those Walmart bucks.
0: Yeah, they want to be at the, the top of the charts in a physical form. Um, yeah, but they still could be because there's nothing to say that they couldn't put the disc with a fresh cover and codes well yeah i mean that's what they've said here with sensible soccer is you can go out and buy version 1.1 in the shops now or if you've already got it just upgrade it and it's a whopping whopping score here for sensible soccer 97 percent. oh that's big That is immense that is epic is that our highest score yet has I think to be it our, might be has to be our highest score at this point Gaming gurus have been
3: soiling themselves with anticipation for the last two months. Well, it finally happened, we got showleaf to set up Games Master Live! A heaving, sweating mass of 75,000 fanatics flocked to the NEC in Birmingham last weekend for this three-day video gaming orgy. Revelers went haywire on a riot of free arcade game spectaculars. They glutted themselves on virtual reality escapades, positively violated themselves on state-of-the-art laser beam shootouts, prostrated themselves at the latest movie tie-ins, and totally fried their brains on the very latest games soon to hit the market. Amongst all of this, of course, there were some old crowd-pleasers. All in all, enough hardware and software to satisfy the most sordid of video game fantasies. Literally everyone was queuing up to stock up. This poor chap was even searching for a skincare counter. But what the crowds were really thronging to see was the Games Master himself, complete with Games Rig mock-up and some bloke in a silly red jacket. Fans clamoured to take part, but at the end of a very special day, some of them just couldn't make the grade. They don't stand a chance. They don't stand a chance. Does anybody else think Jay's going to win? Oh, do we think a I better a bet
0: chew. But hey, did you enjoy our episode last week on Games Master Live? Here's a little feature on it. There was loads of stuff to do. Free arcades, VR, Quasar. People violated themselves doing Quasar. That's the danger of <laughs> running with one of those laser guns.
5: You run, you fall. It's a trip to the emergency ward explaining why your backside is shouting the word danger, danger repeatedly and vibrating. Uh,
0: there were loads of new games to try. Uh, there's someone dressed up as a character that Dominic Diamond says is looking for a skincare counter. There was even Mario and Zool, who we now know as our new friend Nick, presumably before he was getting the sh*t kicked out of him by kids. Could not identify that character for the life of me. No idea. No, no, me neither. Yeah, we had Zool and Mario there, but everyone was flocking to see Games Master himself and dominic diamond or as he calls himself some idiot in a red jacket and there's a guy up on stage called jay that dominic says like do we think that Jay's going to be good at the game or do we think he's a bit of a tube
5: and then it cuts to games master looking somewhat startled <laughs> i don't remember tube as an insult but it's a good one it's right up there with plank yeah But did you notice something that harkens back to our talk with Guru Larry the other week? Because when they're talking about the 75,000 people that visited over three days, they're referred to as gaming gurus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there we go. A little bit of copy theft or inspiration, yeah,
0: depending on how you want to see it. Well, it's time for our celebrity challenge. So let's head on over to Games Master and
2: find out what we're playing. Back so soon? Perhaps my next challenge will curb your appetite. And um, talking of curbs, I thought a spot of high-speed curb-crawling might tickle your fancy. Lotus 3 is the game, and you have just 90 seconds to complete the particular level I've set aside. As if that wasn't enough, I also littered the course with roadworks. So um, don't forget to... Um, can click and burn rubber, as I believe you young things say. So we're playing Lotus 3,
0: uh, and you've got 90 seconds to beat the level, but there is Roadworks, and the one thing they don't really mention here is that this was a level that was specifically designed for Games Master for this challenge.
5: Now, yes, it was created specially for this challenge, and it was created specially for this challenge, I imagine, using the built-in course creation tools that existed in this game called Rex, Mm. Racing Environment Construction Set. I can't work out whether they came up with the name and then had to work out what it meant (laughs) or the other way around. But you want to talk about reskins, you want to talk about updates. Lotus 3 is a bit of that because most of the graphic assets are just recycled from Lotus 2. Really? Yeah, there is a lot of recycling going on. But in fairness, that's because Lotus 2 was already doing the job pretty well and was pushing the platform pretty damn hard. Mm. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with that in this case, because while graphical elements may have been recycled, they added a course creator. Yeah. And back at this time, that's fairly big. You didn't really get course creators. You didn't get track creators. And it did allow for some fairly unbridled chaos. As we see here where this road is, I don't know, it's worse than
0: central London. Yeah, it's littered with roadworks at the moment. Yeah, like course creation. I don't think I would really get to grips with until Micro Machines 2, I think is the one that introduced the course creator on there. So yeah, in 1992, this would have been amazing. This wouldn't be the last we'd see of
5: Rex either, because they actually went on to use the same kind of builder again for International Rally Championship. So this was definitely a sign of things to come and a step towards encouraging user-created content.
3: And for this challenge, we're lucky enough to have Lotus's Formula One Grand Prix number one driver. Please give a warm welcome to the future of British motor racing, Johnny Herbert! <laughs> well done, Johnny. Now, Johnny, when you're in the pit stops, do you ever get the chance to play a game or two? Yeah, I've got a, a game gear and I have a, a spot of golf while I'm waiting for the tires to be changed. OK, now, you're so good at the real thing. We haven't even given you a practice on this. We've just shown you the controls. How confident do you feel?
0: Uh, Not at all, really. (laughs) Um, I think it's going to be quite difficult, uh, but I'll enjoy it. And playing this game, it's Lotus's number one driver, Johnny Herbert, who Dominic Diamond calls the future of British racing. He says that he's got a Game Gear and likes to play the golf games. Should have played the earlier challenge, mate. And hasn't had a lot of practice. In fact, he hasn't had any practice on uh, this game at all. He's only been shown the controls. Which is a good way to approach a challenge blind because they could
5: have shown him the controls on any of the standard courses. So he could get a little bit of a feel for the handling for what it passes with the bug joystick that he's using for this. (laughs) Not ideal. But... I love how he turns up in uniform. Yeah. Because dear Lord, does that clash with Dominic's jacket?
0: The (laughs) red and the green. It's quite a volatile combination on the eyes, that one. So Johnny Herbert, uh, unfortunately, did not become the future of British racing. Uh, Had 165 races under his belt with 161 starts, but only won three of those and gone to the podium seven times. He did win the 1991 24-hour Le Mans as part of a three-man team. From what I can tell, the Lotus team at this point weren't that highly regarded because they didn't have a lot of money. Money. Um, so I don't think that he was sort of in the strongest position to to be the future of British racing.
5: That was a little bit of hyperbole, probably just to try and big him up a bit in front of the crowd.
0: Well, it's interesting that you mention his outfit because I suddenly realised that we have not used a resource to our advantage that we really should have done throughout this season, which is the Gamesmaster official book. Especially because I gave it you as a bloody present. You get. I know <laughs> you've got your own copy as well, but yeah, I suddenly thought about this. I was looking up on my shelf and I was like. Why haven't we been looking at the Games Master book for this series? Because it's all about series two and they have like a little bios and stories of all the celebrities, they had come down to the rig. Cool, so what do we have for Johnny in here? Well, Johnny Herbert, uh, Dominic Diamond writes, I like Johnny Herbert. He's young, he's slick, he's good looking and he has impeccable personal hygiene. However, this was no guarantee that he'd do the business when his gear stick was replaced with a joystick. However, the young Formula 1 driver had a few advantages. Not only was he playing a driving game, but the game was Lotus 3, and he is, after all, a member of the Lotus Racing Team. Now, Lotus 3 is one of the tougher racing games out there, and the challenge was a special games master course for added toughness johnny had to get through three checkpoints at the first one he was down by a few seconds after a poor start but by the second checkpoint he'd made good time and was only one second behind unfortunately he took one turn a bit too wide smacked barriers and passed at the finish line just one second over the time limit which is actually that's not right we'll get into that in the second part of this this was a great shame as we had a lot of technical problems that day and johnny had to hang around in his overalls for ages Did he complain? Not once. In fact, we sat around having a right old laugh in a blokey fashion. Respect is due. Game playing skills, four stars. Personal niceness, five stars. Oh, that's lovely. I confess...
5: My copy of the book is actually currently stuck in an office in central London. Oh, no. We should definitely refer back to that for future. That's a great reference. And I tell you what, maybe down the line, we should do a special episode, a book club episode on that Games Master
0: book. What do you reckon, Lou? I like the idea of that.
3: If you at all want to find out if Johnny gets a checkered flag or a twisted suspension, join us after the break. <laughs>
2: Shaving's a pain, scraping and stripping the skin's moisture which can leave it dry and sore. But now there's Old Spice Sensitive. A new gel protects against scraping, and a remarkable aftershave skin conditioner soothes by replacing lost moisture, making it look and feel great. So what's it to be, sensitive or new Old Spice Sensitive? It takes that heat out of shaving. Stay calm. Concentrate on the screen. Street Fighter 2 is on Super Nintendo. From the arcades, the ultimate combat game. Each fighter has a different technique, an acrobatic move, a hidden punch. It's on the streets now, exclusively on Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo with Street Fighter 2. It's unbeatable.
4: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Oh. A few friends ran last night, Mum. Uh, one or two. Yuck, you're going to need a hand. Oh, is that an offer? Thanks. Here's the flash.
3: What's wrong with this? Race ya.
0: You're on. Flash is much faster on this tough, greasy stuff.
4: Come on, give me some
0: welly. How'd you do that?
2: You've done this before. Go
0: on.
3: That's great, Mum. I'll use flash after my
0: party. What party? Oh, you know. the
2: Flash cleans ago. greasy grime in
0: half the time.
3: Welcome back to Games Master. Tonight's special guest, the young gun of Formula One, Johnny Herbert's about to play Lotus 3. Joining me in the commentary box is Tom Watson from Renegade. Welcome, Tom.
0: Good evening, Dominic.
3: Uh, have you got any tips for Johnny?
0: Well, I think the thing he's got to do is keep clear of the roadworks. Plenty of them on this section, lots of obstacles. Tom Watson is in the booth. He tells him to avoid the roadworks because there's plenty of them in this section. Great advice there, Tom. Don't drive into the roadworks. I mean, that's just a rule for life (laughs) if you want to live. Now, you might be able to help me out on this one a little bit here because when Johnny is racing, he is passing people, but he's only ever in fifth. And I've only just realized now that's the gear he's in, not the place he's in. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've written my notes here. I've no idea why he keeps passing people, but is still in fifth position. And I've just, yeah, it just clicked with me as I was asking a question. Yeah. Okay. I'm an idiot. Yeah. He gets to fifth gear very quickly and he's using a manual box.
5: Unless you're familiar with the game, the heads-up display can be a little bit confusing because that indicator of gear is where we would normally assume, by a lot of console racers, your position to be. He does shift through the manual gearbox bloody quickly, so even though he is using a controller somewhat foreign, because the bug bears no relation to either a steering wheel or a game gear, mm. he masters those controls pretty well. In fact, if this was a straight-up race without all the endless stream of roadwork signs... I reckon he'd have nailed this with a lot of time to
0: spare. Yeah, because he gets better as this race goes on. There's one point where he completely clips through a wall and he's about eight seconds behind uh, when he gets to the second checkpoint but really does well when he gets to the third checkpoint and picks up so much time. He just, he, he does finish the race, but he's about three seconds over, not one second, as Dominic Diamond wrote in the Games Master book. But he does get better as this race goes on. Absolutely.
5: And as we got close to the end, I was really rooting for him. I was really getting behind him because much like the Mario Kart challenge the other week it was so close that you couldn't help but be sucked into it a little bit and the fact that they let the camera keep rolling and showed him crossing the line after the clock had reached zero that was kind of heartbreaking felt bad for him on that one.
3: Johnny. Johnny that was desperately close where did you lose those three seconds? Uh well the first uh, section had a few wh- uh, wheel banging uh, sessions with a couple of other cars um and a, good... Aaron Senna wasn't even there either no he wasn't no so <laughs> it must have been someone
1: else obviously so. <laughs> oh, <right.
3: laughs>
0: Dominic says that it was desperately close and Johnny says that he had some wheel banging in the first segment and it wasn't even Senna that jokes. Aged. Yeah. Not so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, overall, I thought it was a pretty good challenge. uh The game looks nice, but yeah, it, it didn't like blow me away or anything like that. It was a fairly standard Amiga racer at that point. And also, as I pointed out,
5: the graphics were reused from Lotus 2, so they were already a year or so old at this point. But we were talking the era of the Amiga 500 and 600. Uh, the 1200 was just around the corner. That was launching actually just in time for Christmas this year. So, the game wasn't going to look graphically amazing. There was no Mode 7. This was no Super Nintendo. But it was a fun enough game. And the uh, the fact that they were able to create a custom course, that's nice. Yeah, I like
2: that. That's cool.
3: Hello, Games Master.
2: A welcome to the Fountain of game-playing wisdom. What can I do for you?
3: I'm having trouble with Bart Simpson Escape from Camp Devly on the Game Boy. I can't get past the Underlevel Guardian on Level 1. Can you help me,
2: please? You really do have problems, don't you? The fact that the Guardian is called Blindside Bill is all-important, for he can only be killed from his blind side. Simply bounce over him and bash him from behind. This advice applies to every end-of-level boss in the entire game. Thanks a lot. Our
0: first kid in the consultation zone, the Fount of Gaming Wisdom, is stuck on Bart Simpson Escape from Camp Deadly, which was reviewed back in series 1, and he can't beat the boss of level 1. Game Master says that this kid has got problems. He can only be killed from behind, and it turns out that's how you beat every boss. I dunked fairly hard on this game back in season 1. You did.
5: I hate this game. I talked about it last week again on the uh, Games Master Live retrospective. Yep. Because this is the game that I bought a bootleg copy of thinking it was a different Simpsons game. (laughs) So yeah, sod this game. Sod this kid. Sod this consultation (laughs) zone entry. Just bugger the lot of it. I'm done with it.
3: Hello, Games Master. I've heard there's a secret room on level 2-1 of Asterix on the Mars system. Could you tell me where it is?
2: Heed this advice, young scamp. Simply stand on the closest platform before it flips and push right as you fall. You should hit the wall and fall into a room full of goodies. Thanks.
0: Well, a game I very much like has got this kid a little bit stumped, looking for a secret room in level 2-1 on Asterix for the Master System. And Game Master said there's a little wall you can jump through for hidden goodies. I absolutely loved this game. When I had my Mega Drive, my best friend Adam at school had a Master System, so I would, you know, go to his house and we would you know, play games. He would come to my play Mega Drive, go to his and play the Master System. And one of the games he had was Asterix, because we were both big fans of the comic books. And this game's wicked. I, I haven't played it again since. I was actually meaning to play it before we recorded this to see if it does hold up. But I've got very, very fond memories of playing this game. And, it, you know, we played it borderline every weekend up until he got his mega drive funny enough for christmas 92 and we ended up playing a lot of streets of rage instead in golden axe but yeah up until the point man you could not get us off asterix i can understand that because even for a master system game this game looks
5: like the comics it moves like the comics it's got a great sense of style and i too was bonkers for asterix because when i used to go to the local library Big, big stack of Asterix books, big stack of Tintin books. And those were the things I gravitated towards because, you know, lovely, lovely cartoons. And at that point, I had no idea how problematic some of them could be. Some of those illustrations yep. have not aged well, <laughs> no. but it was of their time. And also, RYB Alberto Udderzo, who only passed away a month or so ago, outlived his oh, yeah. partner by... Man, 40-odd years, because Gasconi passed away in 77. Yeah. Before before either of us were even born at that (laughs) point, which shows, I guess, also the lasting impact of Asterix, because not only did it outlive one of the partners, it's outlived both of them. New artists and writers have taken up the mantle, and there are still books coming out today. Haven't read any of them. No. But I will assume that they still maintain the same charm and sense of innocence and occasional offensive stereotypes as the original.
2: <laughs> Hello, games master.
5: What's your query?
3: On another word, I just can't get past the beast at the beginning. What should I be doing?
2: As soon as the beast jumps down, turn left and run like the clappers. When you reach the cliff, jump onto the vine, and you will automatically swing past the beast and land behind him. Start sprinting back to the right, and you will come across some surprising saviours.
1: Great. Thanks.
2: A
5: blast on the consultation zone is an old favourite of mine. We talked about it last week. It's another world. And this young lady is stumbling right at the starting blocks. You've only been in control of your character for three minutes maximum. And at this point, this is the fourth thing that you will encounter that can result in insta-death. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It was nice to see the game, though, particularly after we had it featured the other week, and I suspect that may be the reason, because while the game had been out for a while, as was pointed out in the reviews, the Super Nintendo version was just coming out, and it would be under the Christmas tree
0: for a lot of kids, because it was still a good game. Uh, Gamesmaster is in for a stormy night, and actually won't be around for our final challenge. See, this is the danger of if you're a
5: Gamesmaster on an oil rig, you're not going to be properly earthed, and when these lightning storms come, it's not pretty. No. I did like the Foley work here and the light flashing and and Patrick Moore reacting, going, good Lord, as lightning <laughs> crashes around him. It's something they've done a few times where bits have fallen off him or flames have appeared. It's just a nice little conceit. It amuses me. I like it a lot
0: as well. So yeah, let's find out what we're playing from Dominic Diamonds.
3: For tonight, seize the first in our special magazine challenge. We asked four multi-format magazines, each to name their champion on Street Fighter 2. We'll have a semi-final this week and the next, culminating in our grand final in two weeks' time. So, for the first semi-final, please welcome... Paul Lakin from Gamezone and Duncan McDonald from Zero.
0: It's a Street Fighter 2 Magazine Challenge. Gamesmaster have asked four multi-format magazines to put forward their best Street Fighter 2 players over this 3-week tournament. And first up we've got Paul Lakin from Gamezone and Duncan McDonald from Zero, who thankfully has had his SNES tattoo removed.
5: Yeah, very very good. It's almost like it was just written in Sharpie <laughs> and he wiped it off. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> Duncan
3: now Paul, thank you, thank you very much. Now Paul, how much time do you spend a day actually writing the magazine and how much time do you spend playing games? I, if I told you the truth I'd probably lose my job, but let's say six hours a day playing the games, about six hours a day writing about them. All right, so it's quite a long day then. It's a long day, very long day. Okay, now Paul, what character have you chosen tonight, night and why? I've chosen the rubbery Indian guy, Dal Sim, uh, Dal Sim you know. because basically He's a stretchy sort of geezer, so I can cower in the corner and hit Duncan without him getting anywhere near me. All right, let's move on to Duncan now. Who have you chosen, Duncan? Well, I've gone for Chun-Li, the only chick in the game. Oh, yeah? And why have you chosen her? Well, be non-sexist, as so I'll choose the chick. And she's quick, so uh-huh. I mean, if he's stretching around all over the place, I can zap in, get a few blows, zap out, you know? Moving okay. quick, moving uh, out quick. Are you the favourite tonight, Duncan, do to you think? I
0: think so, yeah. All right, then. I really like this interview that they did with Paul Lakin as well, because it really plays into this, like, the dream job that all the kids want, where, oh, man, how long do you actually spend playing games all day long? Paul says, yeah, you know, six hours a day playing games, six hours writing about them. That's a long old day, mate. That's 12 hours. Although he does say that if he
5: said how long he actually spent playing games, he'd probably get fired. And at no point did they include the pub lunches because if you read a lot of stories and tales from that point in gaming journalism,
0: the pub lunches were as legendary as anything else that went on in those offices. And so Paul has decided to play as Dal Sim, or as he refers to him, the rubbery Indian guy. Whereas Duncan MacDonald says, I've picked Chun-Li, quote, the only chick in the game, end quote. And the reason why he has picked her is so he's not to be sexist and has picked the chick.
5: Yes, because
0: that's the key
5: to not being sexist is to refer to the only female (laughs) character in a game as A chick. Yeah. Although, to be fair, Paul does also refer to Dalsim as a stretchy geezer, (laughs) which I thought was the follow-up to Ebenezer good.
0: (laughs) So, fun fact for you, I kind of teased this earlier on in the show about my Street Fighter 2 playing experiences. My first time playing Street Fighter 2 was in an arcade at a uh, camping resort in the New Forest, and the first character I played as was Dalsim, and... I won and I beat my brother who was playing as Ken. Clearly, your brother did not have the flowchart to hand. I'm trying to remember who I first played or
5: where I first played Street Fighter 2 and who I first played at. I think the where would probably have been the Mop Fair, Mm -hmm. which I've mentioned before because it used to have the arcades and it was there for a couple of days a year. Who I reckon I probably chose Blanka. Yeah. Because Blanka was a monster and looked really cool. Still looks really cool. And I suspect that that young me probably steered clear of Ryu and Ken, because once I knew about the special moves, Blanka, Chun-Li, Guile, Honda, they were all far easier to execute special moves with than Ryu, Ken,
0: Dalsim. You found the charges easier than the quarter circles?
5: Yeah, I particularly oh. found them easier than the Dragon Punch maneuver.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's tricky when you're when you're seven when you're when you're a child in '92. That was quite tricky. But but blank also, you didn't even
5: need to do the charge. You just hammered the button like a loon, and you got a special move. And
3: helping me out on this challenge is one of the true experts from Nintendo Hotline, Keith Pullin. Welcome, Keith. Thanks, Dominic. Now, Keith, we've got Dalsum against Chun-Li. What can we expect to see from these two characters? Um, it's a curious fight, actually. Um, Chun-Li will be attacking from the air, I would have thought. So dalsum has got to watch out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, if he can pick her off with a few long-range moves, then um, should
0: be a good fight. We've got Keith Pulling from the Nintendo Hotline. Uh, we haven't seen him since Episode 1's Street Fighter 2 Challenge. And he has got a very annoying tendency where he's corrected everyone, but it's not Chun-Li. It's Chun-Li, and I thought to myself, is this one of those things where I've been, you know, when I was a kid, I thought it was Ryu uh, and Sagat, where I've then, you know, since learned that it's Ryu and Sagat. Have I just been saying Chun-Li's name wrong this whole time? Nope, I had a look into it. He's wrong. He's wrong, but he doubles down because Dominic corrects him, and he's all, no,
5: I'm Nintendo hotline. It's Chun-Li. It's not. It's Chun-Li, because guess what? When Capcom refer to her... They refer to her as Chun-Li.
0: Yeah. It's simple. God's sake. I, I've got to be honest as well, Like, and it's not just because of the Chun-Li thing. I'm not the biggest fan of Keith Pullen. I think he's he's quite boring as a commentator. This really needs someone like a a Jeremy Doldry or a Stephen Carsey, I think. Or a proto-animal, Dave Perry. Yeah, totally. He loves he loves fighting games. He's got a book written about them.
3: Right. Okay, then and you don't have a book coming out about, you know, games and anything like that. No? About about BMR. About BMR games.
0: Last time we had Street Fighter 2
5: on the show, it was not a great challenge because it was two kids playing and it was exactly what you expect of two kids playing Street Fighter II at this early point in the game's existence. Now we have two grown, mature fuck your hair ears adults playing street fighter 2 and two adults who are apparently the best players in their respective offices we're still not getting great street fighter 2 but we are getting a little bit more strategy we are getting special moves we are getting some fireballs literal fireballs from dial sim and some spinning bird kicks and they're definitely putting more thought into it and being a little bit more cagey because the clock ticks down way more than we've seen previously in fact in round two it becomes the deciding factor Yeah. But I enjoyed this challenge a lot more because while not classic Street Fighter Two, you can see their thinking yeah totally
0: and that's a nice thing so Duncan as Chun Lai uh, dominates the first game uh, with lots of kicks not a lot of moves but she does pick up the win but in the second round as you say there they're sort of avoiding each other a lot they're very cagey with their moves and they run out of time and Dalsim wins via default because he had the most health left not by much it was not, one no. kick's
5: worth it was one yeah. kick or punches worth of, of damage and he only just took it on that and this comes comes down to it being, again, a more tactical approach. There are blocks being used when a player is repeatedly blocking, the other will go for a throw because you can't block a throw. It's nice. Mm. It's not pro level. You know, these guys aren't going to be at Evo throwing these moves down. (laughs) But this is 1992. I made a mistake of reading the YouTube comments.
0: Yeah, I did that as well. That one kid who was just like, this is why magazine and games journalists are very bad and they can't play games. Oh, it was you that wrote it. Okay, That was a very good voice. That was exactly how it sounded
5: in my head. And the thing is, when we watch this, there is always the danger of looking at these episodes through rose-tinted spectacles. But also you do need to look back with perspective. And the perspective is, is that at this point in time, the hardcore Street Fighter community existed, but it was very small. And also, these game journalists may be the best people in their office, and they may play Street Fighter 2 a lot, but you know what? They also have to review other games every month they can't just dedicate themselves to this
0: one title at the expense of all others. So I was quite comfortable with the level of competency in this challenge. Yeah, particularly because coming down to this final round, Paul has got his act together, which is you do those throws, mate, because the throws deal a heck of a lot of damage. He does four throws in this final round to get the win. Paul from GameZone is your winner.
3: Okay, thank you. Now, let's let's go to you first Duncan, brilliant start, you took the first bout, no problem at all, then things started to go wrong, what happened? Uh, well, there's lots of excuses, I suppose. I can say my thumb hurts. Um, <laughs> like I said say I let him win. I normally do say that. Yeah. But I can, all I can say is I feel quite good about it because yesterday I took 20 quid off him at Sensible Soccer. So <laughs> all right. now I have to lose. Well, that's some comfort there. Yeah. All right, now, Paul, brilliant comeback there. What was some of the special tactics you used? Running away as much as possible. It <laughs> always helps.
5: <laughs> and you got that grab. That grab was working quite well.
3: I often. began to get that sussed. I mean, I wasn't, in the first match, I wasn't really making the right yeah. moves and everything. And then I began to get it sussed in the late, second two games.
5: Which which is surprising because he wasn't the favourite going into this. And in the post match, Duncan does throw out a couple of excuses, but also gets to the real meat of it, which is he's not that bothered because he took 20 quid off him
0: yesterday in Sensible Soccer. I love that. Absolutely love the sort of like the banter and camaraderie between them. It's really nice i particularly like Paul uh, saying that his tactic was to run away as much as possible, and and he'd sussed it out by the second round. Paul will be back in two weeks
5: for the final because we have another semi-final next week, <laughs> semi. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this, but this does fall into a thought that I had about this episode, and in fact, a couple of the episodes we've got coming up, which is they are a little bit low key in some ways because this is the Christmas period, and while the kids will soon be off school, there's also family visits, there's Christmas itself all the aunts and the uncles and there's a the distraction of the new toys which will include video games so maybe the low key that we're seeing in this episode and spoilers we're going to get a bit in the next couple of episodes is a tactical move in itself
0: because why show your best when you're viewing figures could be down but i will say that you know three weeks of street fighter 2 i'm well in for that absolutely well in for that especially if we have more competition like this which is more than just button mashing and i
5: suspect given that next week we've got mean machines and cvg i think
0: that is going to be the semi-final to watch i could be wrong i won't give away any spoilers but you might be on the right path there
3: so paul lakin will be returning in two weeks for the grand final be sure to join us next week for our second semi-final Featuring challenges from Min Machines and CNVG. In the meantime, we're off for some fillet of anchovy, and I'll
0: see you in seven days. Good night. So we've got a fillet of anchovies for dinner on the menu this week, which, hmm, yep. Even if I was a fish eater, I doesn't that sounds great. That's a very small fillet. Yeah. It's not even a fillet, that's just a fill. <laughs> And that was episode 11 of series two. Uh, As you kind of gave some thoughts there about how you think this is, um, you know, there might be in sort of a, not a lull period because of the Christmas time frame that we're in, but what did you think of the episode overall? It was okay. Unfortunately,
5: that's just it. It was okay. There wasn't enough excellent for me to rave about it. And there wasn't enough negative for me to get the knives out. It was just okay. The first challenge, okay. The celebrity challenge, Okay. The third challenge? Okay. The reviews? Okay. It was just okay. It was a median episode. There weren't many highs or lows.
0: It just rolled along at a consistent speed that was well under the limit. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I thought this was a perfectly fine episode of Games Master. Nothing too flashy. It's funny, like when we had Matthew on a few weeks back... This is the sort of review that he gave to an episode that we absolutely loved. And I'd be very interested to know what he thought of an episode like this, which is way less interesting. It's got way less things to say about it. But yeah, I completely agree with you. First challenge was okay. Second challenge was okay. I very much enjoyed the final challenge because it's Street Fighter, but overall it was okay. Yeah, a perfectly acceptable episode of Games Master. Absolutely. And for that reason... I'm going to go score-wise, 75%. Maybe I'll bump mine up then, because I think I was going to go for like 67. Maybe I'll go into 70, because maybe 67 is a bit harsh. I'll go into 70. I'm not going to give it the dignity 69. I'm going to give it 70, because it featured uh, Escape from Camp Deadly.
5: The reason I gave it 75% is because, I think we talked about this before, when you come to game scores, a 60 to 69, or even a 70, that was, hmm... That, that might be a borrow from a friend if he was fool enough to buy it 80 plus that's probably worth looking at not every game can be a 90 plus so 80 plus is something worth considering but that 70 to 75 is a definite might not be a full price release but when it's on sale or second hand that could give you your money's worth so yeah. yeah i would buy this episode
0: used but not at full price <laughs> Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Under Consultation. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you're new to this podcast, give us a little subscribe. Give us a rating and review wherever you're listening to this. Find us on the old social media channels. We're on Twitter at underconsolepod and on Instagram at under.console. And you can email the show feedback at underconsultation.com. And if
5: you like what you're hearing and you want to hear a little bit more, maybe a week early and ad-free, you can hop over to patreon.com forward slash under pod and support us there. We've got a £1 tier for which you just get our eternal thanks. You have a £5 tier, which gets the aforementioned episodes a week early and ad free. For £10, you get our eternal thanks. You get the episodes a week early and ad free. And also you get a merch pack, which will include mugs, stickers, other things,
0: and a discount voucher, off of our first t-shirt which will be coming soon oh very very nice so yeah thank you very much for listening we're off to enjoy a fillet of anchovy and i mean i hope we get something else with it otherwise we're gonna be bloody starving uh, i mean you can't even eat it anyway i can eat it but you won't want to share the chopper back with me that's all <laughs> i'm saying <laughs> and we'll see you in seven days time take care good night